You're listening to the Strong Towns Podcast. Everybody, this is Chuck Marone with Strong Towns. Welcome back to the Strong Towns podcast. We are in the midst of our Strongest Town competition, and we've talked about it a little bit here. But now this week, we're going to hear from some of our contestants. We start out with 16 cities, and we are now down uh, to just uh, four left. And uh, I'm very excited because this week we're going to interview all four and bring them here to you on the podcast and ask you to actually go to the website and cast a vote. Um, we're going to have be down to two next week and, uh, and do a video then. you got to help us pick those two. So go to strongest, strongtowns.org forward slash strongest town to cast your vote. Today, to start out with, uh, I have Cindy Larson, who's from the city of Muskegon, Michigan. Cindy, welcome to the Strong Towns podcast, and, and congratulations on getting this far in the contest. Well, thank you very much. We're excited to be part of this uh, process, and it's really been a hoot uh, just watching everything happen in our community as it relates to this. It, it has been fun. I, I went through all your submissions and, uh, and looked at everything, and of course looked at the voting too as it came in, and there certainly is a lot of enthusiasm there and in other places as well for your entry. How did you guys wind up deciding to do this, first of all? Well, um, you know, a lot's happening in our community, and we've received a little recognition here and there. And actually, I got one of your emails uh, in my box one day, and I said, you know what? What the heck? I'll just go ahead and enter this contest and see what happens. So um, that's kind of how it all happened. Um, But luckily, we do have a team here, so it wasn't that difficult um, to pull together the team just through emails. And so I was able to let everybody know quite quickly um, what was happening. Okay. Well, you uh you have already gotten past our marshall also seemed like a very nice place yes marshall's a super nice place they're smaller uh however we're on the water um so now um we're interested because we're up against a waterfront community and you know we always uh, those of us who are in waterfront towns you know we always think of ourselves in a class of our own right uh so so that's what makes it interesting let's talk about that a little bit i i i found it very interesting in your submissions and in the things that people discussed about the city, the, the aspect of being a waterfront city, being from Michigan, and I, I you know, you're a northern place like us. Uh, I just think of, you know, we have a lot of lakes here, obviously, in Minnesota, but I, I don't think of like the Great Lakes or Duluth as being uh, like a place where people would come on cruise ships, uh, disembark, spend a lot of time. You, you guys actually have that there. How did that how did that come about? We do, we do. Well, actually, you know, uh, cruise ships have been around for uh, decades. I mean, it was really popular before the expressways were built in this country. However, um, after that, and people traveled by car, you know, the whole cruise ship idea of it, that you know, just went south into the Caribbean and, and on the coast. So people had forgotten that the Great Lakes was also a great place to cruise in the summer months. Uh, well, probably about six months out of the year. Uh, they can't do it in the winter. It is too cold. So it was really exciting um, to find out that there had been a group promoting the Great Lakes. And then now um, with the change 
changing world, the aging demographics, what's happening globally in terms of safety, the, everybody's interested in coming to the Great Lakes. And so it's been super exciting to be part of that. Right, right. I, I want to give you a chance to talk about the farmer's market. Um, I think of all the things in your submissions, that was one that really stood out to me as being kind of an interesting story arc. Um, a, a lot of cities have jumped into this fray and have, you know, tried to do the farmer's market. You all did it in a more original way, I think, and have seen some real lasting power from it. Can you just take us through what happened and, and where you're at today and, and some of the success you've had with that? Well, yes, we, you know, we've always had a successful farmer's market and we are in a farm belt or we're on the edge of it, I should say. And that is first and foremost, I see these people starting farmer's markets and they're not really near a farm belt. You know, that, right, that's, right. that's step number one. Yeah. So, um, so we, we had that advantage, but it wasn't located in a good location. And I'm, I'm sure 65 years ago, wherever they put it, that was a good idea at the time. But, you know, in doing the reading and, and from, you know, strong towns and other type organizations, we realized that, oh, it could be an anchor to our downtown. Mm-hmm. And so just moving it, you know, it's, you know, a few blocks um, is is all we had to do. But Where, where oh, was it oh originally? Gosh. Where was well, it? Well, it was, it was just in a, what I think had happened is roads had changed. So at one time it might have been convenient to get there. It had a lot of space. It was like what you preach against. It was all sure. spread out with Lots parking. Of room. Yep. Yeah. And so it was just a big field or something. Um, and then, but today that when, you know, roads had changed and that really wasn't easy to get to and it wasn't even easy to see mm-hmm. from the road. Um, so it, this moving, you would think it wouldn't be that big a deal, but it ended up being a big deal from the residents because it had been there for 65 years. Sure. And they did not want to move this. And they didn't understand why were we doing it? Why did we have to do it? It was successful where it was. Um, so anyway, there was a huge group protesting it. Who are these, and, cra- who are these crazy people wanting to move our farmer's market? It's been here yes. for g- generations, right? Yeah, generations. And it literally was practically falling down because the city had done studies saying, hey, it's time to, to reinvent this market. Yeah. So they weren't investing in it, and they were just kind of letting it fall down. Sure. Um, but then we just said, you know what? And this is how the chamber came involved in some of this downtown development. The chamber said, hey, you know, nobody's voting for us. So we're just going to, you know, put our stake in the ground and say, hey, this thing is going to get moved. And um, the city said, if you can convince, you know, the commissioners to vote for it, you know, we'll move it. And um, we did. So we set out on this mission. And, I mean, there were people protesting. We had to move the meetings to, like, the school building so everybody could fit inside the hall Mm -hmm. and tell us why we shouldn't move it. Um, But anyway, we did move it. And I cannot tell you how frightening and thrilling it was when we opened it the first day the first day 10,000 people showed up wow and then i went back you know the next week cuz typically the biggest day is saturday and they showed up again yeah and again and it's like oh my gosh thank goodness we we had studied it you know and we we knew what we were doing it was the right thing and now it really is a community center it's a celebration you know, there's live music. We have 140 vendors that come every Saturday. Wow. So, yeah, second largest in Michigan. Of course, Detroit having a huge one as well, but we would be number two in the state. What, what do you think so. about the location that was the, the, the catalyst for the change? What, what, what is it? What was the thought process? I mean, you, you got it out of the isolated area and you brought it into the core. 
Well, we had had an old Sears uh, store that relocated to the mall years ago. And so this giant blank lot, which was the Sears parking lot, um, was where we plopped it down. Um, And so we still needed a big space because it came from a big space. But we had to really convince people you know, that, you know what, you park on the street. And it was like, it's an interesting conversation for your strong town right. people to say, well, we park on the street. I go, yeah, you park on the street and you walk up and down and then you go to the farmer's market before, after your other. And it was like, they, of course, now it's just second nature. Sure. But attendance went up even at our local museums because while people were at the farmer's market, they'd bop over to see the museum and all these other little, you know, all the little side streets and side businesses, just they said the attendance just skyrocketed, on, and it still does on Farmer's Market Day. And, of course, that's what it's all about. Can you talk a little bit about how you funded this? Because that, that was another aspect of this that I think was very interesting. Because uh, you used private donations largely to get this up and running, didn't you? We, we did. And we, because, again, because it was so political, the city was not going to spend any money on it uh, at first uh, because they were concerned, you know. So we said, we will raise the private dollars to do this. And it was, it was and we did it. I, it's still shocking to me that we absolutely did it. But the city, it was always a city market. So to this day, they run the market. So we basically... Uh, we sold it to them for a dollar, or as we joke, um, how about two dollars? You know, so <laughs> sure. um, so they um, because once it became such a success, we figured we'd double the price to two dollars. <laughs> um, but then we did turn it over to them after it opened, and and knowing it really is a community asset, and it really is a, a great public-private partnership. Um, but it, it was we were able with private dollars to do some of the things that sometimes the city can't do because their hands are tied. And so that is something that we now see is core to some of the successful projects in our community is to jumpstart it. Sometimes you have to jumpstart it with private dollars. Sometimes you have to jumpstart it with public dollars. Right. And whatever, whatever it takes, that's what we're going to do to get it done. Talk about the – how long have you been in Muskegon yourself? Well, I've been, I'm one of those people that originally came here, left, and come back, came back. So, sure. like many, this is my choice. Did you, uh, did you grow here. up there? Yeah, just in the town north of here. Sure, sure. Um, which is about, yeah, 15 miles. Okay. And then, you know, went to different places and, and then came back when we started thinking about that quality of life, you mm-hmm. know, and being able to live in a waterfront community and have it be affordable and still not be so remote. I mean, we're a little city here. You know, we have, you know, a lot of live entertainment right. as well as just, you know, nobody lives more than 20 minutes away, you know. So there's no such thing as a big commute time around here. Um, if you live far away, it's 20 minutes away. So, so. You, remember, you remember the days when the downtown was covered in a... a oh, yeah. The, and I remember the whole thing because as a little child, yeah. I would come down to, to the Sears store to get school clothes, right? Mm-hmm. And then, of course, my daughters, though, remember the mall and that that was something. And then when the mall came down, now the kids... Um, you know, my daughters are in their twenties, but now the teenagers, they're like, what mall, you know? So right. can you describe, been- can you describe that? I, I, I'm interested to know that process because my city went through the same thing. We actually got to the point where we were going to put the covering over the downtown. Uh, and, and it didn't happen for a, a variety, some corruption reasons. 
Um, but I've been to cities where this did, and and the transformation when you do what you guys did is pretty amazing. Can can you talk a little bit about the the evolution of that space? Yes, I mean at the time when they did it, it was the right thing to do. At that time, the city was getting older. You know, it's we're one of the older cities in Michigan. Sure. So so in you know, and it's winter. You understand that? Being oh, totally. From Minnesota. Right. Yeah, so uh, they so this cup malls were coming in, and so they they did do that. And it, to be honest with you, it kept this as the regional shopping center for multiple counties for probably thirty some years. Did did you not get the mall out on the edge then? Was is that what? Correct. Oh, okay. And it kept it. It kept it from getting it on the edge. Okay, so so you I, turned your downtown into a mall <laughs> instead yeah. of building the shopping mall on the edge. Okay, I get it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it did it did thrive for a number of years, but again, the world changed and property became available, and a very nice mall was built on the outskirts of town, and it was a giant sucking sound. I mean, it was literally every business in that mall, every single one just went out to the suburbs. Yeah. I mean, even the ones that didn't need to, like the Chinese restaurant or, you know, a locally owned, you know, retailer. Uh, so we were left with, it was, it was a nightmare. I mean, we were left with nothing for about four blocks in the city center. Um, and at that point, um, it was sitting there by an out-of-town Chicago landowner, and we had to, pull, again, pull a group together, the city, the foundation, the chamber, and we raised money to go to Chicago and say, would you please sell us this 20 acres downtown, you know, from the older mall developer. And mm-hmm. we struck a deal and we bought it back um, from the landowner and we just had to start from square one, you know, by putting the roads back and, and so on and so forth and to recreate um, the old downtown, but in a new version. Why are uh, luxury liners stopping now? I, I'm, I'm assuming that didn't happen 20 years ago. What, 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 no. What, why, are, well, why are people being drawn there now in, in this way? Well, we're lucky, again, being a historic town, uh, we were able to save a lot of the historic buildings. Um, you know, the lumber era, like you must have had in Minnesota. Totally, yep. Uh, yeah, so we have one of the nicest small art museums in the country. We have, we have like eight or nine museums downtown. And so our waterfront and is just drop-dead gorgeous. And the residences around the, the water were always that way. So when you come into Muskegon by boat, um, and you can do the, the ferry from Milwaukee as well, I mean, it's, it's just your jaw drops to see the beauty. But what we needed was that cute, quaint little downtown for the, the ship to come into. And uh, we had a spot for that, which actually somebody had done many years ago, but nothing had ever happened. Um, so anyway, so now when they come here, they just see what is really kind of a, like a little mid-sized city. And they find the people that are coming are from Texas, Arizona, Mississippi. They're people not familiar with the Midwest. So they, they see the greenery, they see the flowers, they see the unique architecture, old and new. You know, we have the old Park Square like you have in a lot of places. And, again, if you're from these other states, this this is just adorable and sweet to them. And then, of course, they do tour some of the – that we have two of the best Victorian homes that were preserved that are in the Midwest, that if you want to come see in a Victorian home on the inside, totally furnished, um, people come to Muskegon for that. And then, of course, the art. And then we put a lot of public art in the downtown, and that's been popular. And then we have two 
um, in the water maritime museums, you know, two military ships that were quite famous in World War II, and those have been turned into museums. And then now, and you did a story about this, those little shops, the yeah. little chalet shops. Yeah. And they're little tiny 10 by 10 shops. That was kind of like the little icing on the cake. And so now if you don't care about museums, you go to the breweries and go to the little shops. And so we've just really created our downtown to be something that not only the residents love, but the tourists like to see. What is it like to be a resident there? I mean, what, what's the quality of life for people? And, and, and how has that changed as the community has, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to impose, you know, as the community's prospered more and more, how has that quality of life changed for people living in your well, city? I, I will tell you, we always had the water, okay? So we love the water. We sail, we boat, we fish, we paddle, we kayak. We're home to the world's largest kayaking manufacturer. But what we didn't have was that walkable downtown where you meet your neighbors, go to the coffee house, you know, because of that mall situation had taken that away. And so now that we have brought that back, oh, my gosh, you would be shocked at the housing that's happening. I am literally sitting here in my office looking at a building that's going to be six stories of housing. Sure. And then across from that, I can see a brand new row of old traditional um, townhomes, you know, like the, the brownstones. And then down from that, we have another high rise going, and we have a, also some freestanding homes that are going in again, an old um, factory lot. So the pride has just jumped, you know, significantly. And so it's to your point, too, that you always talk about, are there people walking up and down the street? Well, I was in this office when there were not people walking up at the street, up and down the street. And I'm sitting here right now, and it's 40 degrees out there, and there are people walking up and down the street. And, and that is super exciting and brings a lot of pride to our community. Where are you struggling today? What's the big challenge that uh, Muskegon has, and, and what steps are being taken to overcome that? We still have image issues. Uh, people still think of us as Se- Self-image or external image? external and and internal, we've been working on an image campaign right now. And so we've been doing a lot of that work locally. Now it's kind of our neighbors. We have to work on on those. And and those communities are a little larger than we are. So, you know, that's not as easy to do. Uh, But it took, um, you know, the, the image was holding back some development. There's no doubt. And we were overlooked. And that's like the cruise ships. They didn't think of us at first. Uh, and now, you know, so it took, it's, it's, we're still selling a lot. And then the other thing is because of that mall situation, there's still some vacant land here and there, and we got to fill that in and we need to fill it in with quality. And, um, and that is a concern. Um, and, you know, we want to make sure, and, and the city has done a great job at, at raising its design standards. And I think of the East Coast and, and places like Annapolis, which is, I love Annapolis because that historic buildings and the way they preserve that. And we want to have some of that here as well. And I can see how we love those waterfront towns on the East Coast. And we want to bring some of that feeling um, here to the Midwest so that we preserve that history um, as well as having, you know, uh, you know, 100 sailboats out the front, the other side of the door. So um, it, it's really kind of a challenge to make sure that quality is there. Um, that's going to withstand the test of time. I was going to ask you about Annapolis. H- have you been there? Do you have uh, uh, 
Any thoughts about that? <laughs> okay. I yeah, so I love Annapolis, and the fact that there are competition is is actually great. And I hope that people from Annapolis listening at this to this come visit us because I think they would love us. Yeah. The Midwest, as you know, is more spread out, so we don't have the density um, that they do. Um, but at the same time, um, we've got the water and we've got the sailboats, and just like they do. And we have the walkable downtown now, and just like they do, and, uh, and, and maybe the quality housing. And so it's kind of interesting to be compared to an Annapolis, um, because I think as much as Muskegon folks who have been there love that, I think those folks who live there would love us. Well, Greenville, South Carolina is no slouch either. It's a, it's a very nice city as well, and you guys uh, got past them. Tell tell me we, as a did. oh you did yeah no T- tell me as a as a final thought what what are what's the thing you're most excited about when you look out five ten years into the future what what's the thing that uh, that that makes you the most excited about the the future of Muskegon? Well, I think what makes me the most excited is that people want to live here, you know, and that is critical. Yeah. Uh, we, we have a million tourists coming here every year for festivals and events and all that sort of thing, but they go away after the festival's over, you know, so we need people who want to live here. And I think that seeing the young people, and it's a lot of young people wanting to stay here and not move away. And I came from the move away generation, you know, where we just, that's it. We just, we were programmed to move away. And now I see, um, see these people in their 20s wanting to stay mm-hmm. and wanting to go to college closer to home and not even thinking about moving away, um, which is a game changer for this town. And hopefully it's just going to always be that way now. Muskegon, Michigan, uh, part of our final four. Uh, facing off this week against Annapolis, you can go to strongtowns.org forward slash strongest town and cast your vote. Uh, you've been hearing here from Cindy Larson. Uh, Cindy, it was such great to talk to you, and congratulations. I, I hope, uh, you know, I, I don't really have a favorite at this point, but uh, if I wind up in Muskegon uh, with you later on this year, uh, I would really enjoy that. I think it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I, we would love to host you. I think you'd get a big kick out of our town, and, um, and you'd see the progress. And, and we're so excited to share that with people. We love giving tours. Well, so that would be great. I love the opportunity to, to let the world know about great places, and uh, it sounds like Muskegon is one. So if I don't make it as part of this uh, tournament, I, I will make sure and, and try to get there soon. Thank you so much, and thank you for this opportunity and the great job that you're doing. Thank you, and thank you for the great job you're doing. You you guys uh, are very inspiring in many ways. I, I love the stories, and uh, and it it feels like a community that, in in many regards, has kind of rolled up their sleeves and tried to get things done, and, and that's inspiring to me and, and to many others. So thank you. Thank you. You take care. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Make sure you go and vote. Uh, these cities are working really hard, and, and they deserve... Uh, your time, attention, and your vote. So go to strongtowns.org forward slash strongest town. Register your vote today and, and let's send uh, a pair to the finals, uh, the final two, and, uh, and then uh, name a strongest town. Take care, everybody. Taking risk is a necessity to becoming rich. It's also a necessity to go bankrupt. Bill, Bill. Bill, Bill, that's a story.
because they know that America's one big pothole right now. Just to echo what you said, there are no silver bullet solutions. Chuck Marone, this has been fascinating. Who made this city? The window is not always open, but if nobody's pushing, then once the window opens, there'll be no chance to go through. I like you. I like your vision of the, of the world. The United Nations Earth Summit. Agenda 21. Yeah.